In these first few episodes, we've been taking on resolutions with a dash of psychology and a little bit of history. One of the things I'm hoping we can do through this podcast is to create more intentional awareness of our entire self. So not just focusing on where we would like to be or what our future self might look like, but also understanding and appreciating the factors that led us to be where we are today. Our perspective on the world is informed by a complex and intricate network of information, thought, emotion, and history both of ourselves and of the world around us. When naming this podcast, there was intention behind using the term self instead of myself, yourself, or any other compound word that includes the term self. When we get better at understanding self, we aren't simply looking within. We're also gaining a more complete view of the world around us and how it's impacting us every single day, whether we recognize it or not. During the Second World War, the army would provide soldiers with corn from Green Giant, a brand that a lot of our listeners will be familiar with. When the corn was provided in unmarked standard army food packets, the soldiers didn't like it. They would complain and the corn would go untouched and sent back to the kitchen. When the army changed the packaging to include just the Green Giant logo with the very same corn product inside, soldiers loved it and couldn't get enough. I talk about this story because I'm deeply intrigued by branding and marketing concepts. The neuroscience is super interesting, and for me it opens up a far deeper understanding of the psychology behind more than just what products we buy. Branding and marketing forms a complex web of associations within our own self. A simple logo or a jingle, even a smell associated with a brand, can jog your memory of a positive or negative experience and ultimately impact your perception of both yourself and others. This influences how you broadcast yourself out to the world, and in turn will impact the perception that others have of you, and their perception of those brands back onto themselves. Think about your own self right now. Odds are you're wearing clothes, and apologies to those who aren't, but think about a time that you were wearing clothes. What went into the decision to buy those pieces of clothing? Was it a suit or dress that was worn to work? The sort of suit and tie we've been taught to understand as representing professionalism? Was it maybe a lower-cost pair of jeans or t-shirt because you grew up in a family that didn't spend on brand name items? Maybe it was even a black tuxedo or a white gown for a wedding in order to follow a religious ceremonial tradition. Or perhaps it was just a hoodie from a great band you heard, or a pair of shoes your friends all had so you just had to get them. Whatever the case may be, every single thought we have, emotion we feel, or decision we make is coming from outside experiences. We are, of course, the ones who control how these items influence us, and that decision comes from within, but it's important to understand the factors that might be contributing to those decisions. This doesn't just apply to our big decisions. In fact, when it comes to marketing, the best thing a marketer can do is find their way into your subconscious. This creates both routine and loyalty as the decision gets left to that fast-thinking System 1 brain that we talked about in our previous episodes. I'll leave you with a quick story today that might help tie some of this together for you. When walking down the aisles at your local department store, you may have noticed that there are a lot of pink toys and clothes and also a lot of blue toys and clothes, typically separated into distinct departments. Blue for boys, pink for girls. For centuries, all babies had been dressed in white and would continue to wear white until the child was six or seven years old. There was no attempt to signal the gender of a child using color, and there was a very good reason why this decision was made. White is easy to bleach. It wasn't until the early 1900s when a major department store created a distinction, but not the one you'd expect. Pink was considered a strong color meant for a boy, while blue was viewed as feminine and more suited to a girl. 
Time magazine printed a chart in 1927 that reinforced this as sex-appropriate colors, and it wasn't until 20 years later, after the Second World War, when a department store changed these colors to be pink for girls and blue for boys. Now think about how much of your own childhood, or your friends, perhaps your own children or nieces or nephews, have worn these colors, specifically because they were intended for girls or boys. What about how many children have been bullied or laughed at, or worse, for wearing the wrong color? All because a department store relatively recently made an arbitrary decision and then flip-flopped on it. Oh, and by the way, the theory on why these colors were brought up in the first place is that it made it more difficult to use them as hand-me-downs and ultimately resulted in more products being purchased. See, so much of our lives are influenced by these outside sources, and we're often not aware of just how much influence they're having. Perhaps we spent our childhood playing with G.I. Joes and never had the chance to play in a toy kitchen, influencing our ability or desire to cook later in life. If we know where influence is acting to either push us towards or away from something, we can better understand the world around us. It gives us fresh perspective and lets us break free of our routines. Taking this pause to consider where influence is coming from in our lives allows us to forge new paths, open up new experiences, and allows us to create stronger, more compassionate relationships with the world around us. If we get better at identifying the sources of influence in our lives, we get better at understanding self.